This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Dylan was, he was a revolutionary, man. The way that, the way that Elvis freed your body, Bob freed your mind. This is Bob Dylan, about man and God and law. I was born to just walk the line. We're still living on Tulsa time, reflecting back on the world of Bob Dylan in a world gone wrong when Bob Dylan gets it all wrong. At the beginning of June, I had the pleasure of attending the World of Bob Dylan Conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was a great weekend, and Tulsa is a special place, the Bob Dylan Center, which is stunning in its own right, the Woody Guthrie Center, which shares a wall with the Bob Dylan Center, and rightly so. Woody was there first, Greenwood Rising, because the scar of the massacre of the black community in Tulsa in 1921 was there before Woody and Bob, and it needs to be remembered every day. The Switchyard Festival, which hosted the world of Bob Dylan and so much else, Kane's Ballroom, which has hosted everyone from Roy Acuff to the police, and served as the home of Bob Wills, Texas Playboys, and hosted for my money one of the great instrumentalists, Larry Campbell, former guitarist for Bob Dylan's band. He played alongside his partner, singer, and muse, Teresa Williams. I mostly listened in Tulsa. As always, Griel Marcus killed it. Talk on Dylan and Dolly. That's Parton, not Salvador. Dylan and the late stage painters with Nina Goss, one of my favorite Dylanologists, the unexpected pleasure of how some of my own work has been useful to study Bob Dylan and the Bible at Oral Roberts University of all places. Unexpected twists and turns of thought, conversations in the bar and in the hall, and I had the chance to speak twice in Tulsa as well. For the first, I was a guest of my friend and colleague, Rabbi Dan Kamen, at the synagogue at Congregation B'nai Umuna. Steve Jenkins, the director of the Bob Dylan Center, joined me, and I thank the Center for kindly co-sponsoring the event. The second was a discussion entitled The Problematic Genius, Interpreting Bob Dylan When He Gets It All Wrong. Now, you may have heard Catherine Lofton and I talking about Dylan going electric as a cultural and religious lightning rod earlier this season. You can check it out if you want to hear an incredibly erudite thinker placing Dylan in the heart of some of the most important spiritual and cultural issues of our time. Catherine was unable to join the discussion as planned due to illness, but music impresario 
and walking encyclopedia of musical wisdom and knowledge, Mark Montgomery French was there. Presenting with Mark was, for me, the highlight of the trip. We're planning to share Mark's take on Dylan in the second part of this episode very soon. I am Dr. Stephen Daniel Arnoff, host of Bob Dylan about man and God in law. I left Oklahoma driving in a Pontiac just about to lose my mind. The podcast currently in your ears and also the author of the book about man and God in law, The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan, available wherever fine books are sold. And now, for those who missed it, those who fell asleep, or for those who just happened to come by just now, here's an expanded version of my talk, thoughts on what to do and how does it feel when Bob Dylan gets it all wrong. Because, well, it happens. Welcome to episode 12 of season 3 of About Man and God and Law, the Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan. When Bob Dylan Gets It All Wrong, Part 1. Hey Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. (laughs) Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. I dreamed I saw St. Augustine Alive as you or me Raging through these quarters In the utmost misery With a blanket underneath his arms And a coat of solid gold The setup for these four stories of Bob Dylan going off the path actually 
leads us back to where this podcast began three years ago. The destination for Dylan has always been salvation. For paths, for windows, for doorways, frame Dylan wrestling with salvation, bargaining for salvation, and somehow walking himself back from taking a lethal dose. Now here's the rub. Bob Dylan, who is one of the most nuanced religious thinkers working in the seam between traditional spirituality, personal seeking, and the spirit of creative expression in the marketplace of popular culture, Dylan has still fallen into the hole that all of us fall into. (laughs) The hole that he's in. The hole of religious fundamentalism, religious literalism, a flat view of scripture, all of which are strangling not only religious imagination across cultures in our age, but also choke free passage for thinking and doing government, human rights, coexistence, and the simple pleasures of life and loving others. Because, like it or not, all of these things flow from religious sensibilities that have grown or calcified whether we or our society is religious or not. past few years, I've wanted to lean into that tension of Dylan wrestling with man and God and law to see how he comes out the other end. And even if it's clear that every person or community needs to navigate the pitfalls of wrestling with fundamentalism and the fundamentals of religion on his, her, or their own, Dylan clearly has something to teach all of us. The scenes of the potential crimes against our higher forms of religion are found in the four-point viewpoint in these songs. I dreamed I saw St. Augustine, Senor, Precious Angel, and Joker Man. But those challenges that these songs present pop up all over Dylan's canon, just as they do in the maps of our lives. First, where many martyrs fell. I dreamed I saw St. Augustine. As I've mentioned here before, the original Greek meaning of the word martyr describes a person who witnesses or testifies to an event or idea. I dreamed I saw St. Augustine alive as you owe me. Christianity and in beliefs paralleled elsewhere, martyrdom comes to mean sacrificing one's life as an act of testimony for one's faith. 
when it comes to martyrdom and testimony, as deep as Bob Dylan's narrator in I Dreamed I Saw St. Augustine enters the salvational drama, he holds a sad complaint. be a martyr. Augustine taunts the dreamer, tearing through these quarters in the utmost misery. These quarters, all four of them in fact, are the dreamer's heart. Dressed in gold, a religious icon animated in real time, Augustine strikes at the gifted kings and queens who, despite all good intentions, cannot attain the ultimate gift of salvation, not even with a figure of religious greatness in their myths. The dreamer's soul has already been sold, and he is condemned to isolation in an action. When it comes to martyrs who haunt his musical dreams, Dylan has a lot to say, a lot to feel, and based on the topic returning as often as it does, a lot to live up to. including Medgar Evers, Hattie Carroll, Emmett Till, Davy Moore, Nettie Moore, and Reuben Hurricane Carter, who was imprisoned but did not die in jail, all enter Bob Dylan's repertoire. The melody for I Dreamed I Saw St. Augustine is a knockoff of the melody and structure of the song I Dreamed I Saw Joe Hill last night. And as any folk singer dropout like Bob Dylan knows, Joe Hill was a white figure of martyrdom for the labor movement. Of course, Dylan spends a tremendous amount of creative and spiritual energy probing the meaning and the myth and the mysteries of the martyrdom of Jesus. When it comes to Dylan's message about the American cross of martyrdom hoisted high during the Civil War, images of lynching populating my own recollections from the Greenwood Rising Memorial in Tulsa were America's homebred hate machine of white supremacy saw lynching as not only a badge of honor, but as a kind of indescribably satanic entertainment. A particular figure of martyrdom stands out in the realm of Dylan's canon. That's the namesake of the song Blind Willie McTell. This is the tale of that all-encompassing template of slavery, wrapped up in Like a Rolling Stone's ever-present demand for a American witness to explain to his audience how does it feel. Here, a white singer, Dylan, plums the interminable gap between being a secondhand witness to slavery as opposed to being a martyr because of this original sin. The singer is framed in front of the same window he gazed through crying in I Dreamed I Saw St. Augustine 
in the song Blind Willie McTell. He's an observer, watching and feeling mythical history unfold. Even if he is removed from it, he witnesses everything. Time breaks itself down. But as we recall that the original meaning of martyrdom is to witness an idea or value through the sacrifice of one's own life, the best Dylan can offer is a respectful imitation of those who suffer all around him. Even with all of the love he affirms for the people and culture resulting from America's formative myth, formative scar, formative cross, Dylan's song of slavery is still just love and theft. He can go back, but he can't go back all the way. He admires faith, but he can't be saved or sacrifice or testify. His salvation is limited. And here's another rub. Is wanting the kind of faith, the kind of salvation, the kind of salvation that made Augustine a model for how absolute surety of a singular religious path to save a tender soul could be weaponized against anyone who did not perceive the grace? Well, the martyr is a vessel of complete vulnerability, literally giving it all up for the ghost of faith. There's a beauty in this release and trust, but all too often, the supposed selflessness of the martyr is another side of religious narcissism. It can go bad quickly. Is there any narcissism more troubling than that of white supremacy? And isn't it religion combined with a bottomless pit of ignorance that creates the pawns in the game that puts one kind of human being above another, providing a sense of supremacy by killing and hoisting up the other on a tree? I've made many friends in the world of evangelical Christianity over the years, people of faith and good works who don't compromise their beliefs with sexism, racism, and politics of hatred and fear. But in the map of the world, fundamentalism like this, which I see down the street perpetrated by Jews against Arabs, Muslims against Christians, and other against other of all kinds, it is almost impossible to see what good religion is doing in the world. Faith seems to default to closing the wound of feeling broken by blaming and hating someone else for one's troubles. The so-called true believers are often put on the defensive against anyone or anything that might reveal what the closing of that wound has covered up. We see this phenomena in the maddening windmill chasing of extremist believers hunting and haunting a woman's right to choose, or LGBT and trans rights. They say they're doing God's work. I say they're broken people leaning into a false edifice of scripture and faith to provide fake assurances about right and wrong in order to cover up their own fear of the unknown. And, 
and many people die because of it. Lives are ruined. Martyrs, not by their own testimony, but because so-called believers need someone to hate in order to prove their own failed theology. To hurt and maim and degrade innocent people by the luxury of a space to feel right in the eyes of God. The road to faith is rich in metaphor and meaning. But when it becomes a dead end, mercy becomes judgment. Trump becomes president. Bibi makes himself a king. Orban, Putin, Modi, and on and on. When Dylan idealizes fundamentals of believers like Augustine, it's hard not to hang your head and cry. But not, I'm afraid, for the same reason the singer in I Dreamed I Saw St. Augustine hangs his head and cries. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. As American blues and jazz was blooming and F. Scott Fitzgerald was writing books that Mr. Jones would later read, Franz Kafka was stirring up a literary cauldron of faith and doubt on the other side of the world in Prague. Can you tell me where we're headed? Sensing the impending doom of ongoing war and strife, critiquing work and faith, ritualizing longing, languishing in mysticism and myth, and giving voice to spiritual wisdom for modernity that can be heard all over Dylan's work as well. But particularly in the period of his most visceral encounter with faith in the form of evangelical Christianity, a decade 
After he wrote, I dreamed I saw St. Augustine. The man who was dreaming of St. Augustine and the weepy butt of a joke in Kafka's story before the law has a name that means everything. But it is not a proper name in either case. The man from the country perhaps is a play on the Hebrew phrase Am Haaretz, which means not just one from the country, but one without knowledge, someone who is ignorant. Kafka's man from the country appears at a gate behind which lives the law. A gatekeeper jives with him a bit, but for the most part, this is the story in which nothing, truly nothing happens. There's nothing happening here, and you know just what it is. A quiet question here, a meek protest there. The man from the country cannot will himself to push past the guard and crack open the gate. He waits, he ages, he despairs, he mourns, and he dies there, unenlightened and unfulfilled. And after all that, when his diminishment is all but complete, the guard scoffs that the gate of mysteries before the law has always been meant just for him. And then he closes it, because the man from the country had never chosen to open it for himself. There's a wicked wind still blowing on that iPod deck. There's an Kafka's man from the country gets both a kick in the pants and a pat on the back in Dylan Senor, Tales of Yankee Power. It's a striking parallel, this song, to Before the Law from 1978. Dylan is on the cusp of his evangelical leap of faith. Senor is the Spanish term for Jesus, the Savior, the Lord, who Dylan is addressing directly. Jesus the guard before the law, who Dylan asks for advice through the song, but also rebel Jesus, wise and iconoclastic Jesus, the one who takes no quarter and no gold coin when it comes to corruption of the law. Dylan asks him, from Lincoln County Road to Armageddon, is that all there is, senor? There are at least three choices before the singer. Resignation to his fate, Senor looking on, alienation, walking away from those tables and that possible savior, or on the third hand, revolution. Even though he knows the option to blow it all up is his for the taking, he asks Senor for permission to go all the way. He wants not just a fellow traveler, not just a contra but an authority to bless his resolution of revolution. Let's overturn these tables, disconnect these cables. This place don't make sense to me no more. Can you tell me what we're waiting for, senor? This question to senor, or rather, this request is unanswered. What would senor do? What would Dylan do? What would Jesus do? The questions sound like the beginning of an answer, turning over the tables, overturning them, cutting the cables, starting over, lawless biographically at least, a very different likely but unlikely revolution follows. Dylan holds out the question of questions, that of living outside the law and being honest, but he can't take the leap of faith one would take to actually embrace the rebel Jesus, the activist, the Black Lives Matter Jesus, the Reverend William Barber Jesus, who won't accept a temple or a world where the poor, the disabled, are excluded from the bounties of this world or the next. Dylan almost takes two steps forward 
to the cusp of these things in Senor, but then, the same year, he takes one big leap back. It's in the direction of Augustine, back in time, not toward MLK or Reverend Barber. He goes back to what one might call the fundamentalist approach, and one that, at least for me, is a leap in the wrong direction. Let's overturn these tables Disconnect these cables This place don't make sense to me no more Can you tell me what we're waiting for, senor? Song number three, Precious Angel. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. I don't get it. Why would Dylan go for Jesus at a time like this? That's what Leonard Cohen was said to have asked Jennifer Warnes when he heard that the Jewish-born Dylan had entered into evangelical Christianity in 1978. Bob Dylan, the agitating, rule-busting, iconoclastic, fire-breathing prophet, became the agitating, rule-busting, iconoclastic, fire-breathing prophet. Maybe it's not such a mystery. That a musician steeped in the music and mythology of the church, longing witness to a pawned America died on the cross, himself taunted as Judas, would be drawn to try on fundamentalist Christian law in all of its power and glory. This is really no surprise at all. In what was for many the most confounding period of Dylan's career in the late 1970s, Dylan became to the shock of many of his fans a born-again Christian. To add what seemed like insult to injury for the rock and roll empire, the album Slow Train Coming, 1979, 1980s Saved, and Shot of Love in 1981, were steeped in Christian imagery and proselytizing intent. 
anchored by a series of tours which channeled the clear-eyed focus of a missionary aiming to capture as many souls for the good guys as he possibly could. Most of the time, Dylan embodies a multi-layered approach to any subject, especially the law, with wordplay, rich sets of illusions, insinuations, irony, and clusters of unexplained questions softening the corners of sharp extremes. With a few exceptions, the so-called Christian period of Dylan's work, while layered, profound, and rich lyrically and musically, is more literal, humorless, and blunt than any of his songwriting before or since. While the songs and performances in this phase are something of an archipelago in the land of Dylan, we would be hard-pressed to find a precise beginning and end for the influence of Christian theology, belief, or longing on his work. It's in there because it's in American music so integrally. Precious angel, you believe me when I say what God has given to us no man can take it away We are covered in blood, girl You know, both our forefathers were slaves Let us hope they found mercy In their bones But this is the period Three, maybe four, or five albums Depending on how you count Where Dylan's Christian passion is particularly ferocious the law is everywhere, and there is only one that's real, as he sings in Precious Angel. You either got faith or you got unbelief. There ain't no neutral ground. In fact, the opposite is true. It is on the neutral, non-fundamentalist ground that the fundamental work of spiritual wisdom is cultivated best today. And that is the fourth window to peek through. resignation that comes after the drama of conversion and fundamentalism. The window of moderation of passion, tempered by the wisdom of humility. In 1983, five years after Senor and 15 after I dreamed I saw St. Augustine, here came the album Infidels.
infidels, of course, are outlaws by another name. And as we've spoken about a number of times on this podcast, Infidels, the album, is about Dylan trying to put his arms around self-doubt. comes Joker Man, curriculum for the legal fragments which an outlaw or heretic assembles to remake a code of honor out of the fundamentals that he has almost let go of. The book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the law of the jungle and the sea are your only teachers. We've spent a lot of time on Joker Man recently. Joker Man. Dylan addressing himself in the third person. As if he himself is a stranger in light of the great texts and the greatness of nature that are his only teachers. He's a visitor to his own life. What a joke. He's learned the ancient laws and he still winds up here laughing at himself or maybe being laughed at. This is the painful dichotomy, which brings us to the crossroads for Dylan and the law once again. He's learned society's rules and called them out as a young man. He's tried to run wild and free as well. He's tried out many masters. His voice of frustration and irony taking us back to a voice that predates Dylan's by a generation. This reflection of Kafka. This reflection of unabiding doubt. And carrying the same conflicts as well. To be a self that feels chosen for something unique and profound, but unable to open the gate or to finish the book so that that fate can be fully seen. The dark side of this lack of choice is being restricted from walking into the light of the law. But the bright side of not taking a side with religion, as evidenced by Joker Man, is that one does not have to take this dilemma so seriously. Maybe life is but a joke. Landing on the water, casting your bread by the eyes of the idol with the iron head I go in. Distant ship sailing into the mist. You were born with a snake in both of your fists while a hurricane was blowing. Or maybe this statement of a joke has a sharper edge to it. Something that's cynical, whether it's humor self-depreciation, or irony. There is, flowing through all of the choices of Joker Man, a function of humility, the ability to see both or all of one's faces, to accept that nothing should be held at face value as complete or as perfect, not the divine and not the human which is formed from it in its image. Shagging so much Shedding off a wide more layer of skin 
In a world gone wrong, Bob Dylan has never claimed to have all the answers about religion or anything else. If I wasn't Bob Dylan, he once said, I think, I'd think that Bob Dylan had a lot of answers too. It's in admitting what he doesn't know, a hard-earned point of view, that Dylan gets it right. Not that I'm one to say when anyone gets it right or wrong in the utterances of the heart, but, but to raise up absolute certainty about moral, religious rights and wrongs, to not call out religious hypocrisy for what it is, to claim that those who haven't found what you have found as being lost, these are the holes and pitfalls of religion that can sink all of us. And when he knows that he can't be all right all the time as a seeker of spiritual wisdom, that's when Bob Dylan and we get to be all right. This has been episode 12 of season 3 of About Man and God in Law, the Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan, When Bob Dylan Gets It All Wrong, Part 1. Next time we'll be talking to music impresario Mark Montgomery French about, about what else Dylan gets all wrong, a point of view about Bob Dylan, about race, about rock and roll that you will not want to miss. Two more episodes to go before we hang up the gloves over here. and We are proud still to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Check out all of the Pantheon Podcasts for music lovers at PantheonPodcasts.com. Visit www.mangodlaw.com for more information on upcoming events, the book, and more. I am your host, Dr. Stephen Daniel Arnoff. Thank you for coming, and see you soon.